welcome to Sound Tradition, where we examine the practices, theology, and tradition of the contemporary church from a biblical perspective. My name is Jason Shirk. And I'm Luke Hitz. As we continue our study of the question, is baptism required for salvation? It's important to look at all the gospel presentations, especially in the book of Acts by Peter and Paul, as they kind of laid the foundation for what was to be taught and what was to be preached for the church moving forward. And as I studied this for this podcast, I listened to a couple other podcasts from group out of the Church of Christ, and they took the pretty much an exactly similar approach to dealing with this question. They went through passage by passage, dealing with the gospel and everything. But what I did notice is that they did tend to skip over a few, and I, I'm going to try to add those in here. Um, I feel like maybe they skipped them because it didn't have the word that they wanted in there, and so it made it harder for them to make their point. Yeah, so. to be perfectly fair, maybe they were just trying to hit the highlights, but who knows? Maybe maybe they were <laughs> avoiding the topic. Who knows? Yeah. So um, We'll give we, them the benefit of the doubt, yeah. and we'll just include it. And we are going to do our very best not to skip over any of the passages. Um, I literally went through the book of Acts and read through each chapter, flipping through <laughs> as I was going through trying to figure out, okay, well, which one, which one has a call for salvation, and, and went yeah. through each section that way. I just I will make one quick comment. I mean, this is our our podcast is called Sound Tradition, and this is literally the definition of tradition. This is what is being passed down from the apostles, those who saw Jesus or taught by Jesus, and they are passing it on to the next generation. So yes. this is exactly yep. what we want. Yeah. Okay, so the first passage we're going to look at is Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Um, this, in this story, you have the, well, I don't like the word story, but in this account, <laughs> we have the <laughs> account of the day of Pentecost, basically. The Holy Spirit comes down upon those who are gathered in the upper room, and they speak with tongues and praise God, and the audience hears them declaring the works of God, and Peter stands up, and he preaches his sermon to them, talking about who Jesus was and all this stuff, and he concludes and he says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay, So that right there is his call his uh, invitation to these people to place their faith in Christ. And many would say that in this verse, it seems to be pretty clear. It says, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, right? Couldn't be much clearer than that. So, But um, it is important to understand a little bit about grammar when you're discussing verses like these. Um, Notice in this phrase, it says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Now, that, that word for, in English it can mean a lot of things, and in Greek it can mean a lot of things. It's, it's an ambiguous word. In Greek, literally, it is the word ace, which can be translated also as because of. Okay? And so a translation of this passage could say, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, because of the remission of sins. This isn't the only place that this Greek word is translated or used in this way. Another example is found in Matthew 3, verse 11, which says, I indeed baptized you with water unto repentance. That unto is the word ace there. Same Greek word. Now, is the baptism with water what produces the repentance in Matthew 3.11? Uh, 
Probably not. <laughs> no, no, it's, I don't. I don't think. I don't think anywhere you you would even conclude that. You know, so right. It's uh, not logical to conclude that. It's so. Not based on the the context. The baptism in this case is because of the fact that they had already repented. You know, so that that's that's the idea of the unto repentance in this in this verse. And it's the same idea right. as that word for in Acts 2.38, clearly meaning it's not that baptism gives repentance, but rather that the baptism is performed because of their repentance. Okay. Right. And, and in Matthew 3, that's John the Baptist right. baptizing. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, and, you know, this ties into, if you didn't hear our last podcast, go back and listen to it. We talked about it in depth. But John the Baptist, his was the Jewish ritualistic, you know, baptism of repentance and in this case, we're saying it's the same word, saying because of your baptism, because of your repentance, you wash. Mm-hmm. And then it's the same in Acts. You're saying it's the same Greek word, could mean the exact same thing. Right. Because in of Acts your yeah. because of your repentance, be baptized. Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, just to start out with a word about how we study and interpret the Bible, it's important to understand this one principle, at least of hermeneutics. If you don't get anything else. That when you approach an unclear passage of the Bible, you always interpret the unclear passages in accordance or in agreement with what is clearly taught in the Word of God. Because basically, it's based on this idea that God gave His words by inspiration, right? And so all the authors who wrote, all the preachers who spoke, every message that they brought was directly from God. And if they're directly from God, it's not going to contradict itself. So the Bible doesn't contradict itself. So if even you, if you wanted yeah. to take, you know, people because there's people that when you want to argue with them logically, one of one of the arguments is argument from authority, mm-hmm. which means you can't say, well, so and so said so, therefore it's true. Even if you take that argument out, if you want to take out, well, God said so. Mm-hmm. The you know the writing of the New Testament, so much of it is very much the same. It does agree with itself mm-hmm. most of the time. And even if you want to just take the inspiration, I'm not saying we should. This is an argument of, uh, actually, I just heard this today. I was listening to another podcast. I can't remember the, the, the word they use. But it's just a, uh, it's a legal term for lawyers, meaning uh, arguing, well, I don't say this is true, but even if this was true, even, we're not admitting guilt, but even if this was true, it still wouldn't change the fact. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm doing. I don't know the name. I don't know the legal name for it. I'm not yeah. saying this is true. I'm just saying the New Testament, it still agrees with itself. And you can still say, well, what, what was the teaching of that time by these men? And if you come across one where, like, we don't quite understand what he was saying because it was 2,000 years ago and we don't quite get the culture of that time or the way they spoke, don't go off that one thing that's misunderstood and make right. a new doctrine. Yes. Go yeah. off of what they all taught. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of the situation with Acts 2.38. This is one of the controversial passages that... Um, if we weren't dealing with it today, we would have been dealing with it in <laughs> yeah. our later podcasts because we're going to take them one by one going through. But because it's in the book of Acts, we're going to deal with it with it today. So, But again, it is that concept of for can also mean because of. And yeah, that might be kind of a iffy thing to say it could mean because yeah. of. But <laughs> yeah. taking everything into context with what the rest of Scripture says, you come to the conclusion where when you're interpreting this more vague passage in light of the clear passages, we come to this conclusion. So, so we'll keep track of this as we go. I guess. Yeah, and <laughs> verse verse forty one kind of reinforces it when it says, "Then they that gladly received his word were baptized." The baptism occurred, 
after they had received his word. So it wasn't like this baptism is what saved them. They didn't have faith or anything like that. They're, they received his word first, and then they were baptized. So, Yeah, it must be. It's also necessary to remember that just because something is mentioned as occurring at the same time or even right after salvation does not mean that it is the means of salvation. An example of this in modern day, I just came up with an example sentence. <laughs> I was full after I rode the bus and ate dinner. Okay, Does riding the bus have anything to do with me being full? No. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't cause me to be full at all. No, the eating causes me to be full. The two events just happened in my story around the same period of time. Yeah, it's just a description of the story. Yes. Yeah. What was that? No, I'm trying to think of a phrase. You can cut this out if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of a phrase where uh, you, you, you mix the two sentences together. Oh, what is it? What's the famous example? So-and-so ate... It's like, I went home and ate, grandma went with me. It's like, but the sentence runs against, I went home and ate grandma. You know yeah, what I'm talking if you about? Don't, if you put the misplaced comma in there, basically. I went to... home and ate, grandma went with me, or I went home and ate, grandma went with me. Yeah. You know, so depending <laughs> um, on where you put that com- comma in there, it changes Jace, the meaning Jason's of the sentence. Jason's the grammar so. guy. I don't know the names of any of these things. <laughs> yeah, so. but, but again, it's the idea, just because events are recorded as happening at the same time does not mean they're causally related to the result, okay? They could just very, so. they could very easily be just telling the story. Right. You know, this happened, and then they were baptized. There's no reason in the grammar to say they have to be both tied yeah. together. And in listening to this Church of Christ podcast, that is the major flaw that they made in going through most of these passages. Because 90% of them, and that percentage-wise is an exaggeration, obviously, but yeah. <laughs> most of the passages here only said these people were saved and baptized. It didn't say that baptism had anything to do with their salvation. It just said that the baptism occurred. Right. Okay. And that's what we're going to see in most of the passages. Now, if baptism were essential to the gospel, you would expect that that baptism would be preached in every gospel presentation, right? You would think so. You would think so, okay? <laughs> so, uh, but if we look at the very next chapter, same person, Peter, is standing up preaching in the temple. He's, his message that he challenges the people to, to do after he's preached the gospel is, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. No baptism mentioned in that gospel presentation at all. It's just one chapter later, same person, you know? And so you would think that this, it would be obvious. It should, it should be mentioned if, if it's necessary, you know? So, devil's advocate. Yep. Is it possible that it was, it was just left out? You know, it was assumed that it would be in there. You know, uh, like uh, what's another story? I mean, we're going to get there here in a bit, I imagine. But the Philippian jailer. So, what must we do to be saved? Mm-hmm. And what, what's his answer? I, I Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Yeah. Right. This is a different argument. People talk yep. about you know repentance and say, mm-hmm. well, it didn't say repent in there. Repent and be baptized. Yep. So it was just a general. Yeah, I'll, I'll deal with statement. both of those because that really that's two different. It is questions. a different. Yeah, is it, it is it assumed? I could say yeah. You yeah. could say it was assumed, but if baptism was assumed by unsaved Jews, it was assumed to be exactly what an unsaved Jew would understand it to be. Which was which not, goes back yeah. to our previous podcast. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, where baptism was a ceremony, it was a symbol. It wasn't the means of grace. 
in their lives, basically. So, so yeah, that is yeah. interesting. I have to yeah. think about that some more. Yeah, because <laughs> you, you can only have an assumption if the audience is going to assume the exact same thing that right. you're going to assume. So in Christianity, he was new, the new kid on the block. There, it's not going to have the same nuances that. You I mean, know, the, so. the the other possibility is the assumption is that the entire gospel was given, but they just abbreviated it. Yeah. Again, story. you'd have to assume that it was the same audience. Audience. Well, I got you. That they abbreviated it for the story. Right. So, whoever yeah. whoever wrote the yep. story down didn't put all the facts in there. Right. They just gave you the the quick brief. Yeah. Story. Yeah. And, and that that is that is a potential, obviously. But um, I think when the gospel writers, and specifically Luke writing right. the book of Acts, <laughs> yeah. wrote down what they wrote down, they're going to put the necessary things in there. Yeah, that's true, because you know? <laughs> so. he said at the beginning of, it's the beginning of Luke, isn't it, where he, mm-hmm. he says, he's writing to the person who, Theophilus, Theophilus and he says, I'm gonna put, I've had a good understanding of this from the beginning, I understand the entire, I'm going to write it all out. Why would he leave important things out? Right. Yeah, and it's just it just goes back to this idea that if baptism were essential, it wouldn't have been left out of that gospel presentation. Now, the whole repentance not always being in the gospel that largely comes down to your understanding of repentance. So, because I could hear some people saying, "Well, repentance is just as much of a work as baptism is," and I've heard yeah. this argument from yeah. other independent <laughs> Baptists, to be honest. You know, but repentance—the way we view repentance—is that it is really the flip side of faith. Okay, repentance is a, by definition, a change of mind. Okay, it's a change of mind. That's not an action. That's an internal thing. You're changing your mind. Right. It's, it's and, a mental thing. It's right. A, a logic thing in your brain. Yeah, and in order to place your faith in something, you have to turn away from having your faith in something else. Yeah. So. Does it happen first? Does it happen at the same time? You can kind of, you you can split it up in, <laughs> yeah. in some ways. If you think about a guy who is turning over a new leaf in his life, he may see drinking is horrible. Okay, but um, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to go and adopt a no drinking attitude right then and there. It might be a process that leads up to it, kind of thing. So, yeah. so the two events of him being convinced something's wrong. I'm turning away from it, and but me embracing something that's good could be, occur at two different lo- locations right. in his life, basically. So, well, does that make sense? It does. Yeah. We, we kind of <laughs> slipped over into the repentance. Yeah, but but it, <laughs> so. it, it had a point, though. The point was, for this passage, is mm-hmm. it possible that they were just giving a generalization and not including everything? Uh, but considering, especially considering who he was preaching to, to, to Jews, you think... He would have included that if it was required. Like right. you need to be baptized again, because the Jew, like, just in case you didn't listen to our last podcast, the Jews saw baptism as necessary for being converted to Judaism. Mm-hmm. So they would have seen, understood the necessity of it again as converting to, to Christianity. Christianity. Right. Yeah. Yep. Our next uh, passage that talks about baptism and uh, gospel presentation is Acts. 8 verses 35 through 38 says then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus this is the Ethiopian eunuch and as they went on their way they came unto a certain water and the eunuch said see here is water what doth hinder me to be baptized and Philip said if thou believest with all thine heart thou mayest and he answered and said I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and he commanded the chariot to stand still and they went down both into the water both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. 
Now, again, this is one of those scenarios where it does not say that baptism was the cause of his salvation. In fact, Peter's answer to the Ethiopian, or not, not Peter, Peter. Philip, <laughs> Philip's answer to the Ethiopian eunuch's question wasn't, oh, go ahead and be baptized. It was, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Okay? So there was a prerequisite to baptism, and that was faith in Jesus Christ. I feel like this is probably one of the hardest ones to answer mm. if you say baptism is required for salvation. Because Philip's answer should have been, yes, you need to be baptized so that you will be saved. But you also need to be have faith. Yeah, yeah. but he, he, he doesn't say that. He says, yeah. well, let's slow down. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you I've been explaining, all, you know, who knows how long this has been. Is it, you know, they went through the entire book of Isaiah, mm-hmm. or at least, you know, the, the prophecies. You know, that didn't happen quickly. They've been doing this for a while. And I mean, who, I don't know how the conversation went, but perhaps Ethiopia looks like, Oh, here's water. Let's get baptized. Like, well, wait, well, I was I wasn't done explaining. I, you believe? Oh, I believe. I believe. You know, who who knows exactly how this fell right. out? But the, what is pointed out in the book of Acts is that he stops him mm-hmm. and says, "Do you believe?" Yeah, and it, it's commonly accepted that the Ethiopian eunuch was already a proselyte of the Jewish religion. Yes. Hence, the reason he was reading the book of Isaiah in the first place. He had come, you know, you know wh- why had he come to Israel? He, yes. He'd just yeah. come for uh, Pentecost, probably. It yeah. was all happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. And he already understood that baptism was a sign of conversion to another religion, mm-hmm. basically. So in his mind, he's saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become a Christian now. But Peter has to backstep him and say... Philip. Philip <laughs> yeah, I keep saying Peter. Okay, Philip, <laughs> Philip has to step back and say, no, you got to have faith first. So I could see, I think, I think the only argument I could see people bringing to this is saying, well, he, Peter, well Peter, now you got me doing it. <laughs> Philip didn't say that it's not connected to it. He just said, you know, this is just the steps, you know. Yeah, but that faith, honestly is an argument from uh, from um, silence, which is a fallacy of logic, so. Okay. We, we just need to do a podcast on all the uh, the logic, because I need to go back. We took, we, he and I both took this in college, and I need to go back and look at all the rules of logic again. Yeah. Because, that, I mean, it is important. When you're, when you're trying to find the truth, you need to make sure we're being logical mm-hmm. in how we do it. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah, again, it's just this idea there is no definite causal connection that is being presented here. So Acts chapter 9, verse 4 through 6 and verse 18 is our next passage. And this is the passage that describes Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus. Now, where it becomes controversial is in answering the question, when did Paul get saved? (laughs) Before I get into the notes, I'm going (laughs) to let Luke give his opinion on this. When did Paul get saved? Oh, that's a really tough. You know, he's catching me blindsided now. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna shoot from the hip here, based on my knowledge of you know having read it before, heard it preached on many, many times. I would think it was right there on the road when he said, "Lord, uh, what would thou have us me to do?" Yeah, that's the testimony he gave to Felix and what was the other guy's name? Felix and Agrippa. Agrippa. Mm. When he when he told the story, you know, he he talks about that. I don't know when else it would be. Yeah, because he, I mean, God, he was blinded by the light, and he's come, and the scales are removed. You know what? Does it ever say when he gets baptized? Yes, it does, and I'll, I'll talk See, about I that. Forgot, so. I've forgotten when Paul yeah. gets baptized. <laughs> yeah, that that is that is the, where the uh, the contradiction comes. Um, Church of Christ theologians claim that Paul wasn't saved on the road to Damascus because he hadn't been baptized. Because he hasn't been baptized, he he gets saved when he meets 
um, Ananias, and Ananias baptizes him. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and part of their argument is that the gospel can only be given from a person to another person. Okay, that that is one of the statements that they've made. Now, here here's the thing, though. Okay, I have a question about that. Yeah, yeah but go ahead. <laughs> okay, so actually, let's go ahead and take your question. We'll see if it fits with what I'm going to say, and then, and then I'll move on. Because I thought about this yeah. for, since last week. I said, when was Peter and Andrew and Philip? You know, you got those stories in the Gospels where mm-hmm. they were following John. Yeah. And when John said, "There's the Lamb of God," mm-hmm. they said, "Oh, Andrew, he runs and tells his brother, and they get Philip, and they're all, and Jesus." Uh, is gives them new names. They become his disciples. When did they get saved? And when did they get baptized? I I feel like they you know he hadn't died on the cross yet. Did they have? Was it not until later when he dies on the cross and they see him and they believe and that's when they got saved? Well, then and, did they get baptized? Well, <laughs> so, but, then, but then when yeah. did they get baptized? <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. Does anybody know when they got baptized? I don't. I don't think it says. To be honest, no. So. Well, that, that's, <laughs> I just thought about just now. So you're saying Paul was yeah. not saved until he got baptized. That's the argument. We don't, we don't yep. even know when the other apostles got. Yeah. Were they saved by, you know, from one person to another? I mean, it was from Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. That's, I, think that's, I think you're being a little too picky. And t- where does the Bible say that? Oh, well, I'm be- not giving you my answer. I'm giving you their answer. I know. <laughs> so, where, yeah. where, where do they get that? <laughs> so, you have to be... Because, because again, they're person. coming with a presupposition that baptism is required. So, therefore, Paul didn't get saved until he got baptized. And then they're, they're looking at this as... They do have a verse that talks about the mysteries of God um, being given to us from... And I don't remember the exact passage. I should have right. looked it up. But it is this idea <laughs> yeah. of it ha- having been taught to us by other men. Now, here, here's where I disagree with that statement, okay? Um, first of all, we if we look at Paul's salvation testimony, when he is talking to Agrippa, okay? Later on in the book of Acts, Acts 26, verses 12 through 8, he's giving his testimony. He never mentions Ananias. Not, he doesn't go to that part of the story. He says, the Lord appeared to me on the road to Damascus. And that is the salvation testimony that he shares with Agrippa. So I was right. Yeah. So, <laughs> but then on the, on the flip side, you should also know this because we've been studying Galatians mm-hmm. in, our, um, in our church for the past month. We've been doing a church-wide study of it. Well, I actually don't because I started reading Ephesians. I had the wrong chapter. Oh, you got the wrong, you got the wrong book? Okay. But in, but, uh, uh, in the book of Galatians, Paul makes a huge point that he did not receive his gospel from another man. He says he received it from the Lord himself. Okay? So that directly contradicts their, their point yeah. at, on this verse right here. So Yeah. So, okay, Let's keep so going. We're not, yeah, not going to get through yeah, all we these. Yeah, we got to get through as much as we can. So Acts 10, verses 43 through 47. I'm not going to read the verses again, but let's just point out that this is the story about Cornelius being saved. Peter has been sent to him. He's one of the first Gentiles to be saved. Um, actually, I think I am going to read it real quick, okay? It says, To him gave all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. That's Peter's gospel to Cornelius. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? 
Now, Luke and I were dis- discussing this. There is a point that people have brought in to argue against this passage. And they, they say that the gift of the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts came on different people at different times. Right, because there was the other, I can't remember where, the, where it's at, but there was a group of people that had believed but had not received the Holy Ghost. And what was it, Paul put his hands on them? And that's when they received the Holy Ghost? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so the two things happened at different times in the book of Acts. I agree that statement is 100% true. But here's the question that they have to answer. Did the Holy Spirit ever come on somebody before they got saved? Only in the Old Testament, but then now... The well, <laughs> and, and even then I'm not saying that they, that they weren't saved. It was the salvation right. in the Old Testament was different. It was based you know? on faith in the coming yes. Messiah. So, yeah. so, I, so I, I would say throw all that out that doesn't count right. for this discussion. Yeah. but and, and so the idea here is, yeah, maybe the baptism of the Holy Ghost could occur after at a different point, but you never see it occurring before. Okay. So that, that's kind of the limit on, on this thing of when they get the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the reason that is especially important is Peter's evidence that the Gentiles could be saved was that the Holy Ghost came on them. Right. You know? later, they, <laughs> later on, you know, there was a whole controversy about why Peter went to Cornelius. Right. And you ate what? <laughs> you know, you yes. ate yeah. it was unclean. And so he tells the whole story. Mm-hmm. But that was the whole. So, not to go back and read it. Maybe you read it. You probably remember. Yeah. Because when they says when they heard what he said, they said, "How we can't? What did they say? Fight against? Push against the Holy Ghost? Or we can't speak against?" I don't have memorized. So, Holy, <laughs> yes, so, but I, I, know, I, know, what, I that, know what you're talking that's about. That's what they. What yeah, he, it's, what, and it's Acts 15 that you're referring to, I believe. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, so because we are running out of time, let's go ahead and hit Acts 13, 38 through 39. It says, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things, from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. Again, this is Paul's message. He only preached salvation by faith. He did not mention baptism at all. And then Acts 16, 14 through 15, this is the story of Lydia. Um, it talks about how Lydia attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul, and then she was baptized and her household. Again, this is one of those passages that just states she was baptized. Okay, first, before she was baptized, she attended unto the things that Paul had spoken. Okay, Acts 16, 25 through 33, this is the Philippian jailer. When Paul was asked um, by the Philippian jailer, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What was his answer? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And thy house. And thy house. Okay? He never said, get baptized. Now, this is a Philippian, a Gentile, right. not familiar with baptism. So you would never assume that he would that he would already assume that he was supposed to be baptized either. You yeah. know, because he's, he's a Gentile in this scenario, you know? So why, if baptism wasn't important, did Paul not say, be baptized? Well, the only other argument I could think of that you would throw at this is it's the, the silence. You know, this was not the entire uh, thing that was said. It was just abbreviation. Right. Yep. Which, but once again, I, I don't, I feel like you're making a very good case and how you're laying this out. It's, it seems more wishful thinking. It's like you really have to have already said, I believe that this is true. Mm-hmm. And I can make this fit by finagling the facts rather than going with what is clearly, what in clearly the, in seems to be building in the passage. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or then, the, just the New Testament, I should yeah. say. Our next passage is uh, Mars Hill in Acts 17, verse 30. 
And Paul, preaching to Gentiles again, says, In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commendeth all men everywhere to repent. That's the extent of his message. No baptism mentioned, okay? Acts 19, 4 through 5, we have the disciples of John. It says, Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, okay? Now again, the focus of Paul's message was believing on Jesus Christ. The baptism is just incidentally mentioned that it occurred afterwards. Yeah, okay? just part of the story again. Yeah. Um, Acts 20, verse 21, Paul's talking to the Ephesian elders, and he says when he was talking about the message that he had preached to them, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a summary of his gospel message to the Ephesians. And again, baptism is not mentioned in there. Now we have one last passage that we're going to deal with. That's Acts 22, verse 16. And this is a re, um, when Paul does recount talking about Ananias. He says, And now, why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized. Wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Okay? And so this is often used to teach the idea that baptism washes our sins away and all that stuff. So it's required for salvation according to that interpretation, okay? Um, in Acts 22, verse 16, Paul recounts the words of Ananias to him following his experience on the Damascus Road. But um, when you look at these phrases, you have four different elements. You have arise, be baptized, wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. You didn't get oh, it, No, if we connect it, be baptized with Episcopalianus, there would be no antecedent to... The calling, basically, is the idea here, okay? So part of it, the argument that we have dealing with this passage deals with the grammar in the Greek and that, that phrase, calling on the name of the Lord, okay? I think the, the important part to that is the tense of the Greek participle requires an antecedent action to the main verb in the sentence, Okay. And what I mean by antecedent action, let me define that because Luke's already smiling here. I'm lost. <laughs> okay. I'm completely antecedent lost. action is something that occurs beforehand. Right. Okay. So it's the, the idea here, you could retranslate this, having called on the name of the Lord, arise and be baptized. And then that phrase, washing away thy sins, fits better to be joined with the participle calling on the name of the Lord. Well, hold so, on now. In, a, in the Greek grammar. Hold on so, now. You're, yep. you're, you are changing the King James Bible. God <laughs> re-inspired the Bible in 1611. Didn't you know that? Luke's trying to drag me into getting in trouble. So. <laughs> okay, so. We, we'll have to talk about that in another yep. podcast. But no, so say the phrase again. For those of us who are not as good on grammar, especially not Greek grammar, if you translated it, probably maybe a little bit better to the way the, the grammar should be, how, how would the mm -hmm. verse read? You could say, wash away thy sins, having called on the name of the Lord, arise and be baptized. So You still have to deal with the phrase, washing away your sin. Which well, I guess it is, we would say it's, it's the it's, having, because it's tied to the ha having called on the, the name the of the Lord. Because yeah. mm -hmm. we have all kinds of songs, you know, about you know the blood of Christ washing away our sins. Yes. Is, are, there yeah. other pa have to, are there other places in the Bible that talk about the blood of Christ washing away your sins? There, there are. I know yeah. there are. So, I just don't yeah. know what they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
That would be yeah, that would be a good explanation for this verse. But I could see how people would easily just take the English and say, Oh see, this is the chronological order. Yes. Yeah. You be baptized and that washes away your sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so next week uh, we'll continue working our way through some of the more controversial passages, dealing with baptism and salvation one at a time. And again, as always, we ask that you like and subscribe. And if you have a question, feel free to leave a voicemail. I know Luke's dying to have somebody leave a message yeah, for him. So. It'll be fun to answer questions. Yep. And, and of all things, it's a controversial passage. If you want to say, well, hey, did you think about this in this verse? This is a great time to do it. Mm-hmm. Just tell us which verse and give us a question and we'll talk about it. Okay. And as always, grace and peace be with you. Amen. Thank you.